Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Gender Nebulous podcast. I am Vicky Hodges and my lovely co-host today is Miss Frida Wallace. Hiya, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? Well, we've missed a couple of episodes, haven't we? Because we have, we've busy. been a bit busy and you've had a couple of medical things going on. I've had, a, I've, had an in, I've had an exciting medical appointment, yeah, so because uh, I'm going to get a bit of surgery uh, next month, so mm-hmm. yeah. Any more details for now? Well, you know what it? that is. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go from an A cup to a double D. You go for an enhancement. <laughs> yeah, enhancement into turbo drive. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. So oh, yeah. So I need some time off work for that. Indeed. And I'll need a lift there and back. So thanks, Vicky. <laughs> yeah. For being my it's ambulance. An Uber. It's, it's it makes change somebody else be in the ambulance and hopefully nothing will go wrong. Oh, can I borrow in, your ambulance? Can I drive the ambulance? Transit. Yeah. Can I drive the ambulance? No, I'm really excited about it because the thing is, I was thinking about it for ages and I was in two minds. I thought, oh, I'll see how the hormones go. And it's like, but because um, I thought, oh, do I really need to do it? It's a lot of money. And I thought, yeah, why not? You know, I'm just going to do it because it's what I want. If it's and, what you want, then it gives you And I'm not getting any younger. Not? I'm not getting not? any younger. And um, yeah, so I thought I'm going to do it. So there we are. That's mm. where I'm at. And I've had to go for blood tests and I've got a pre-op and all that business to look forward to. So was there any complications with getting approvals in, for no, being no, trans? All they wanted, really, because I was worried I might need a GRC. Well, they don't I don't need think that. you know you wouldn't need that, but you might need, you might have needed some letter or something, you know. You know no, they just need they the gen- tr- They just needed, yeah. All she asked me for is you need to have a GP's letter and an up to date blood test, and then uh, the gender clinic of my diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Okay, so they, they did want something just mm, to, but I had all that ready for them just in case. So. It's quite simple, really. I mean, I don't see why they should need that. I mean, it's like if I was female, if I was anybody else, I was getting any other procedure, I wouldn't have to prove who I am. I wouldn't have to prove I'm genuinely female. Yeah, so extra hoops to jump through because you're it's trans. Just an, it's just another fail-safe for them because, I mean, I, I understand why they do it. You know, some people can regret things, and but people can regret all kinds of things, can't they? It's got nothing to do with your gender, you know. I could go and get a tattoo tomorrow and regret it the day after. It's not going to stop them doing it. No. So it's just a bit of a, uh, feels like a bit of a, a, a gatekeeping exercise. Yeah, but sounds like it. There we are. That's where I got through it. Anyway, I got through it. Got I got over the cattle grid <laughs> to the world of boob. The world of boob. Right. Excellent. But you see, the thing is that like what I was going to say is, I was thinking, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know, am I doing it out of vanity? Am I doing it because I want, I, is it purely about looks or is it something? But, but yeah, it's, I am vain and I and I do enjoy looking good. So that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> well, I think that's <laughs> pretty much the reason that anybody would have that op, isn't it? It's for confidence, really. Confidence booster. Make feel, yeah. make yourself feel good. Yeah, and I want to look good. And I, yeah. Um, I can't wait to wear like a dress that's low cut and you have to get a whole new wardrobe. Shallow, get what? You have to get a whole new wardrobe. No, I've got some. I've got some good stuff. You know, I might have to alter a few things at the front, but (laughs) 
<laughs> so how did you how did you decide on the size? Because that's the big question, isn't it? It was really funny actually, because I was in the in the um what do you call it? Medical room. And he was he put a bra on me and he said, Right, try this. And he kept going high, bigger and bigger. And I was like, no, go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought, I'm, I'm, it's not going to be any cheaper the smaller you get. No, it's the same cost, isn't it? So I thought, I might as well get my fucking money's worth. <laughs> so you've gone for what? 500cc. When he said Is that the maximum you can have? I think so. With my Because well, it depends. Because I've got like my growth through hormones, I say, is a B cup. Right, so that's not. So you're going to go from a B to a D, a, a double D, double D. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think when they said 500 cc, I start thinking about motorbikes, <laughs> a Yamaha 250, and a. So that's, a, that's a liter. You're going to have a liter. Yeah, and Obviously, the thing I noticed straight away because they use the actual implant type silicone to put into the bra, but fucking hell, it's heavy. <laughs> it felt heavy, and I thought, well, yeah, that's something you're going to have to get used to. And like when I was talking to my friend Joe, who's a double G, she goes, Oh, you left yeah, don't don't moan to me about that. <laughs> anyway, enough about my um Yes, well it's exciting news. Boob ambitions, but ambitions, the ambitions of boobs. Mm. Right. So shall we um proceed with the news? We shall, we shall, we shall. Okay. It's been an interesting <laughs> week, hasn't it? I think yeah, well, when I looked at how many stories I had, I had over twenty-seven, and I yes. managed to—I've cut it down to eight. It was just so there's just so many, and most of them were. Well, you see, the big news really. That's most happened. of them were about what's been going on in Australia and New Zealand. So, mm. well, we're going to have to touch on that. We're we'll touch, on, touch that on that as we, I'm going to pepper the other topics with bits of that because yeah. I think it's all related to. I mean, that, this. I mean, that's been the main thing going on this week. I think. In what's happened to me? News. To my eyes, right? What's happened here is the 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 media in Australia and New Zealand are not like ours. They they observe things and report what they see. Yeah, they seem to be reporting <laughs> the truth, which is unusual for us Brits. And and what's happened to, to Callie, Jay Keen, Posey Parker, Minsel, whatever she's calling herself this Poxy, week? Poxy Parker, isn't it? Whatever she thinks she is and tells her followers she is, she's clearly not that. And they know she's not that. They they just go they they see her as some kind of like So we should just, I mean this is the continuation of the tour that started in the US and she's now doing Australia and she's doing New Zealand currently. Yeah. And so, next? I think she'll hmm? be back in after this one. Well a next date was supposed to be in Dublin on the fifteenth of April. And I don't know if that's going to happen. If it does, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised. But she's one of those people, isn't she? She she does. She's always saying, "I will win," and I, I don't oh. take no for an answer, and all this. So she's probably just daft enough to go and carry on. Yeah. You know. So we'll see. I mean, she's propelled by her own ego more than anything, and I think that's got her into this mess, really, because. Because like when when I was I watched it live last night on YouTube and I and I because the, the obviously the point of view is a phone camera. So when she gets to the event and you see all those people, there must be like two thousand people there. You'd think that might be the point where she goes, "Oh God, yeah, it's not going to work out mistake, well yeah. for me." And I don't like soup. <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping it was Campbell's because you know, 
I know how you like art. Mm. You know, so it should really be Campbell's suit, I think. It's interesting the the role suit plays in protest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, so, I, it, it, it was, there, was a, there was a moment, right? Honestly, I was watching last night and I was watching her and there was a moment I had this kind of pang of guilt about... Guilt? Egg, guilt about egging people on to go for her and stuff because in that moment she was really fucking vulnerable, really vulnerable. And it, and if it wasn't... She had security, but she, had, she obviously hadn't paid enough for security because they could not protect her from that crowd. Now, they did. They got her out and they got her in a police car. Now, see, what should have happened there is the police should have arrested her because that is all her. The reason all those people are there and the reason there's that agitation, the, the only reason... Oh, she's been stoking it up for weeks. So. ...is because she's created that. She mm -hmm. can't turn around and then say, oh, these people are coming for me. You can't when... You can't show up in a, someone's town and start no. preaching hate and expect to get away with it. I mean, it just no, <laughs> that's exactly. not reality. No. And if she, and if, and if, and if she, even if she had a noble cause, even if she had like a cause that was just, and she was fighting injustice, or she was fighting a tyranny, which she isn't, she's part of tyranny. Even in that case, you would have to be bloody careful about where you go, and not expect to everybody to. You know, what I mean, I don't know what she expects to be honest, but I think she expected some support, and there was none. Yeah, well, God knows where it goes where it goes next from here with with what's going on. Well, I think anyway. she's going to... My my prediction is that her usual followers are going to spin it as a, a victory, no matter what. They're going to find the... They're going to find the instances oh, where yeah, that she'll be portrayed was... as the victim. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there are, there are a couple of photos where, like I said, I start to think, oh, God, she looks like she's in trouble here. And they will, they will prey on that and they will exploit that. But really... You know, there were there was there were people, there were women harmed at other events where the security manhandled them to the ground. Wasn't there a New Zealand or Australian MP that was manhandled to the ground? Yeah, there was. Yeah. I forgot her name now. Terrible with names. But um yeah, that happened. And there was another person that had the mic snatched off her and a and a mouth a hand put round her mouth. Yeah, somebody was one. choked by one of the yeah, security so people. You know, they don't they're not gonna they can't they're not gonna focus on that. No. And and the reason why she's there and what she's doing, I mean, that's what's causing the problem. It's yeah. not the fact that anti-hate well, protesters I read the, um, show up and protest against her. I mean, they're, they're entitled to do that. There's a couple of articles come out, one from The Guardian, one from The Daily Mail. And that, to be fair, I mean, they, they're, they're fairly badly worded. Like, they don't really describe what the motives are of Callie J. Keane, but they do offer a bit more balance than usual because they show the actual right-wing factions and who is aligned to Kelly now. And I think that's a change because there's no getting away from it. There's no hiding from what you're associated with. She could say, oh, I can't control who follows me. I can't control who turns up. But she's never called that out. She's never discouraged it. She actually, We know she actively does encourage it. She could stop touring. Exactly, yeah, because she, she she must know. She knows what's coming. <laughs> it's not a surprise. See, all this stuff about speaking for women, standing for women, uh, women's spaces, women's sports, women's prisons, it's all just a front for 
it's, it's a shoe in for exclusionary behavior and we've known that we've known that ever since we saw it coming you know and i think a lot of the press have it's just they've chosen to ignore it yeah right i'm going to bring the topics in into screen now well i'll continue a little bit about well, that yeah because i think it's number i think it's a second story anyway so this first one we i think we spoke about this previously mm-hmm. this was the thing that's going on in uganda where mm-hmm. Their parliament was passing an anti-LGBTQ um, bill to make, you know, to make it illegal and punishment and punishable with jail time. So I think this had gone through parliament and has been voted in, and it's now it's just pending approval of the Ugandan president, which is that guy there, Yuri, Yuri Musivini, I think he's called. Sounds yeah, like yeah. Mussolini. It would be more probably more appropriate. Um, it, it's sad that this is like voted in, like what voted by who exactly? You know what I mean? It's well, it's like... it's the it's the Ugandan Parliament, isn't it? I mean, the Uganda so government not... has, has approved the anti-homosexuality bill that would make it illegal to identify to identify as LGBTQ, and anyone found guilty of doing so could face up to twenty years in jail. So the interesting thing that's happened since we first spoke about this was that the US has come out and said that. If it's signed into law by the president, then Uganda might be facing sanctions from the US. Right. So that would be that would be a serious uh, thing for them to face. Have you ever actually looked on a map of Africa and seen where Uganda is? I think we did, didn't we? Because we it's kind at... of it's kind of right in the middle. On I was the, looking on at the right. Rwanda. And it's yeah, well, kind... we're, I was going to say Rwanda is bottom left mm. of um, Uganda, and Rwanda is a really tiny little place. I didn't realize it was so small. Mm. It's like 10% the size of Uganda. It just makes you wonder, you know, the, with the what the UK government's doing in Rwanda, why on earth would they choose that tiny little place in Africa? Well, obviously and they, they have similar anti-LGBT laws, not as bad as Uganda yet. But but, but they're, they're colonial roots. It, yeah, there's colonial roots, yeah. And it's that, that's, what, that's why they have these kind of laws. It's like they're not, they're not like... Uh, historic they like they, they don't go back in they no go but why did like... they choose that one in africa why didn't they choose the falkland islands why didn't they choose gibraltar why didn't they choose one of the other yeah you know territories oh no let's choose that one in africa it is an interesting question and i, I don't know the answer I, I mean what yeah what is the reasoning behind choosing that particular spot i don't know it's i mean i'm but totally see... against Anything What's interesting, is it, that I never knew... people out to the country who are applying for asylum to be here. Yeah, I didn't totally know anything about Rwanda monstrous. until I heard about that story. And then I heard people say, well, what's wrong with Rwanda? Are you saying Rwanda's a bad place? Are you saying Rwanda's a horrible place to be? It's like, no, it's like nowhere. Every, anywhere's a bad place to be. It doesn't have a great record for rights, like, human rights, but let's put it that way. But it's like, it, it reminds me of when people used to be sent to Australia for committing crimes you know it's like what this idea of deportation no but the thing is we 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 probably get requests from people who live in rwanda to come and live in the uk because Mm. life is difficult there but yet we're sending people there or we haven't yet but we're trying to it's just madness Madness well that's not going to happen it's just a great it's just those stories to me just seem like stories to to pacify these 
nationalistic Brexit people who demand something happens about... Yeah, they still haven't actually managed to get anybody there, have they? You know, it's not even the massive problem that the the news makes it out to be. I mean, it's horrible. You heard today the news about what what they're planning next for the for the immigration camps they've got in the UK. You know, like everybody's being kept in hotels at the moment. Yeah, they've got to well, put them in bottlings. Well, no, what they're, what they're talking about now is moving them all into military camps. Yeah. And um, disused ferry boats. Gosh. Imagine that. Well, it's, I mean, it, I, don't, I don't know if there's a practical solution because no matter what you do it has to be paid for well right? you can imagine the state of a disused ferry boat it's disused because it's mm. probably a knackered old boat <laughs> it's going to get scrapped mm. it's probably parked up in some dry dock somewhere or some you know harbour somewhere um not being used they're gonna they're gonna unmothball those things and and house people inside them they probably don't even have cabins in them it's probably just you know, like seating and stuff. I mean, well, what I do is on more the boat and sail somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the government seems to be like. I think it's real... cheap to keep people on a boat. I mean, it's it needs heating, it needs sanitary stuff. You know, it's like you, they just don't think these things through, do they? It's like it'd be some, well, the... it'd be some, some person who owns some boats as part of the Tory Party thinks, oh, I've got some boats. Let's let's make some money. Yeah, probably. There'd probably be, be an outsourcing contract yeah, somewhere. exactly. Yeah. Millions of pounds to house people in boats. And the problem with the hotels, which is also costing like five million pounds a day. Well, that's not that's not important because we need to get them all into these boats now to support our mates. Yeah, there'll be a contract involved in that somewhere. No, definitely. But they, somebody once told me, you know, you have these places like Butlins, holiday camps and things like that, and they don't make a lot of money, you know, in certain times of year, but the government subsidizes them in case of catastrophes. So they can, what, so they can house people. Yeah, yeah, that's part of a government scheme. That, and that that's why immigrants end up in these kind of places, you know, because I don't, I, they make it out that they're putting them in luxury hotels, like five-star hotels. That's like the Daily Mail line, but that's not the case, is it? You know, they're putting them wherever they can. And unfortunately... Yeah, I think it's like, like George and Mildred's bed and breakfast kind of places. They create tension because they're, they, they come into already poor um, areas, you know, like, so so it creates this tension where people mm-hmm. think, oh, why are these people being kept in a hotel while I'm struggling and doing it? It's like, like the, the immigrants are not your problem, mate. It's the government. <laughs> exactly. But they have to make, they make it sound like, oh, God, you know. I know. It's, just, it's, it's like it's, it's the same story with any kind of demonization. Yeah. There's always this perceived threat that something. I mean, they don't talk about this- let's 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 fix the immigration system. They don't talk about that. They just think, oh, we're just going to transfer these people from hotels to boats, from hotels to Rwanda, from hotels to, you know, military camps. I mean, what? At the heart of it, though, there is a definite rise in immigration there's a it's, it's a lot of factors there's like lots of global instability so you when, look at what's you know, going on around the world it's hardly surprising yeah but then it becomes like a sort of which immigrants do you prefer because you know when they're doing that rwanda scheme or not the rwanda scheme sorry the ukrainian scheme where you could you know they're yeah. asking families if you wanted to adopt a ukrainian it was like oh well this is great let's yeah let's, let's all get involved in so this. why but, don't they do that for all people who because, are seeking because, 
Yeah, there's definitely a racist thing going on as well. And then you get these stories, horrific stories of somebody that's come over here from Afghanistan or Syria, and they've actually, you know, they have been part of a terrorist plot. So it's really hard for that for for most people on the ground, like in those poor poor areas, to think, oh, why should we be putting up with this? <laughs> you know, it's because they found the, this this isolated incident where somebody is a terrorist. Yeah, it's very frightening. I don't know. I mean. Like we talk about these things just as kind of passing, you know, we see these passing things and these, but this this has been going on for years now. This is like the one of one of Nigel Farage's big, you know, campaigns is to stop boats coming across. And he's been going on about it for years. And nothing has changed. Brexit didn't change anything. Brexit hasn't no. stopped. Made it worse. Thing. Made it worse. You know, it stopped the people we actually need to come here. You know, people, you know, people that were doing some of the manual work and like in the service yeah, the people industry. we need and it stopped them coming but it's not stopped the the emigration he no. thought it was stopping no it's not so you might my attitude was like well you know what i mean if people if people need protection we we should offer it to everybody who needs it i mean it's this kind of pick and choose based on who they are and what the you know it's just nonsense. It's really it's just it's bonkers, isn't it? That just just a bit of water in the between France and England could be the dist di, could, that distance could be the deciding factor whether somebody lives or dies. And I think I just, it just blows my mind that somebody wouldn't offer somebody, you know, a bit of sympathy in that moment. Yeah, exactly. You know? People standing on beaches in the south of England shouting at people on you know what i mean they're like there were people protesting on the beaches saying we don't want as if they were like an invading army but that's the way they the day it's the way it's portrayed though isn't it like i've heard i've heard presenters on talk radio talk about all oh, the fighting age men are coming over it's like well what what does that mean fighting age what <laughs> any man between 15 and 30 so they're a, suddenly a fighter because they're and they'll say, why is it? Why are the women and children not coming over here? Why is it always the men? Well, tell you what, if you had a choice of sending somebody to England, who was who would you send first? Somebody who's fit enough to make that journey, or would you send a child and a woman first? Because that's what it comes down to. It's not because they they have some kind of nefarious intention. It's because their families realise, like, if the man goes first, he's fit. He, you know, and, and if and if anything happens, you've still got the child. And and traditionally, obviously, the the mother the, the child needs the mother more if they're young children. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like we've gone we've to... gone down a bit of an immigration rabbit hole here. Yeah, but um... that's that, that's it, isn't it? Like, even when my sister, right, when my sister and my 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 brother in law moved to the Isle of Man, my brother in law went first because he needed to go and sort the house out and do all. Yeah, that. yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what that's what people do. It's like, yeah. and if you were, and if you yeah. say, say, if me or you was going to go and live in, uh, say, America or Canada, we'd try, we'd probably gravitate to where there was a bit of a British mm. family, maybe, or somebody. Or I mean, if you've I, got friends there, you, you'd go and talk to them, and yeah, like when maybe when go people, and stay with them for a while. After when, the, when these people go on and live in Spain from England, where do they go and live? They don't go and live in the backwaters. No, they're going to live in a town or a place that's got loads of Brits in it. 
Mm. And a pub. <laughs> yeah, sells baked beans. Sells beans on toast. Anyway, let's get. So let's let's continue our tour. We're 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 in. We're currently in. Um, where are we? We're in Uganda. Yeah. We're now off to um, Australia. Wow, that's a bit of a jump, isn't it? Bit of a jump, yeah. So this second story: trans flag flown over Victoria government building after Nazi salute by Posey Parker rally. That's great. So in support of trans community. The Australian state of Victoria has raised a trans flag outside government offices in support of the community after an anti-trans event attracted extremists performing Nazi salutes. Mm-hmm. Anti-trans campaigner Keely J. Keane Minchell, also known as Posey Parker, mm. as we know, um, or otherwise known as Poxy Parker, held her uh, Let Women Speak event on Saturday 18th of March in Melbourne, Victoria, um, was attended around 400 demonstrators and around 30 neo Nazis. So I thought I thought it was this the one. The reason it caught my eye is because you know the the Victoria government had come out and put the flag put the flag up on the building. So that was a really yeah great way I mean, to show support. So, how this so what, going on. why doesn't our government learn from this? Because 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 there's no difference to me, right? I I think I think what's happened really is. In Australia, they've they've got a much better media, so they've been reporting about Kelly J Keane's visit much more realistically, and they will report it. Whereas our British media and the BBC are included in this, they either ignore things or they they take the other side. And 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 uh, what's that? What happened in um, in? I can't remember where it was now, but there was a couple of rallies. I think it might have been Brighton, where there's a group called Arts of Oak. And Arts of Oak are one of Tommy Robinson's organisations. I don't think he's associated with them now, but he started it. And they're like an, a, a xenophobic right-wing organisation. And they turned up at one of Kelly Keane's rallies last year. Yeah. Now, nobody in our British press, very few, I don't think you'll find any Daily Mail article, you won't find a Guardian article, you won't find a BBC News report. None of them reported that. Now, it might be because Arts of Oak are not really a big organisation. They don't wear black and they don't do they don't do brazen Nazi salutes, right? So that's probably why that didn't make the news. But we are talking about it. Trans people are talking about it. Uh, there were quite prominent trans journalists and LGBT pink news certainly mentioned it. Yeah. So why does it not come into the, why can't our wider media report that? And that's the problem. So, so Kelly, you know, keen can get away with doing this stuff and, and, and distancing herself from it. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how much of what happened yesterday gets reported in the British press. Cause I've not seen it on well, main TV. Well, there's been a Daily Mail report. No, but has it been on BBC, ITV, Channel 4 News? No, because I, I don't think she's got that kind of... I don't think she has that kind of presence here. No, but it's been it's been on the main news in the countries where it's happening. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an You would think it would be. I mean, just to get back to this article, I mean, the, the state premier, Dan Andrews, quickly denounced the Nazi gathering claiming, I wish it didn't have, it had to be said, but it clearly does. Nazis aren't welcome, not on Parliament steps, not anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, they see it for exactly what it is, and they've come out and, mm. you know, in strong support of trans people and put the trans flag up on the building, which is yeah, good to see. It see. was a very extreme 
kind of gesture, wasn't it? It was. But, but um, you see, what I'm worried about is she 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 lives off the publicity, right now. Now she's she's gone up to another level now because she was sort of bubbling under the surface for a long time. Actually, she had been on some talk programs like daytime TV in this country when she was a bit more moderate. And as she's got more and more extreme, she's been on like talk TV and I've actually requested talk TV to let me speak with her when she's on, but she backed out. And um, I worry that she's going to use this to her advantage in a way, because sometimes if she's not done anything illegal, she could continue to do these rallies and trans people will continue to turn up and fight with her and her supporters. Now, that isn't a good thing because you're creating a pitched battle. Yeah, and, and it's it obviously becomes, escalating at the moment. And it escalates and it becomes a battle between two rival factions and doesn't really help anyone out. You know, uh, I understand why people oppose her violently and I understand why people want to grab the mic and, you know, throw soup on her and stuff like that. But I'll go back to what happened in Glasgow with the cabaret against fascism, or I think it was called. And it's, I think yeah, that, that is hate. the way to deal with it because if you if everybody starts going in there and fighting with her and throwing things and it's, that's what she wants. That's part of what. It was, sorry, it was cab. It was cabaret, wasn't it? That was it. And I, and I I think. I mean, I don't, it's really difficult because you can't control crowds. Once once a crowd is angry and once a crowd, yeah. there's going to be violence. And we saw it. We, I, well, you could see in those videos yesterday, the violence yeah. was kind and, of escalating. And, and, then, and then what people can do is both sides it because they can yeah. see, ha-ha, the trans activists are, yeah. are fighting. It's the problem. It can be, you know, it can be used like that. And there's um, no both sides because... It's all, it's all manufactured. But you've got to, I mean, having, yeah, but you have to stand up against her as well. What, what what needs to happen is the government needs to step in and say, no, you're not doing that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So this thing with the flag, putting the flag up on the in Victoria, our government need to do something like that. Our, the problem is we've got is that we're opposing parties, the Labour Party. They don't give a toss because they would be some, there would be people in that party ordinarily that would be the, the people saying because of Tory party rhetoric, because of the stuff that Rishi Sunak has been saying, because of the stuff that people, you know, on the right are saying, which, you know, we're coming out of Tufton Street and all that, but they can't because there are people on the other side, like Rosie Duffield, who were who Labour politicians, who were saying exactly the yeah. same thing. So it's mm -hmm. really difficult. And then you look at what's going on in Paris this week. I mean, this is over increasing the, pension age from 62 to 64 and half of Paris is on fire now. Exactly. That's how we should be doing things. So no, look, think, look how the French do it. That's the thing we well, need I to was, learn something I did, from that. I did comment on that on Twitter because I thought, if you think this is about pensions, you've got another thing coming because, yeah, that might have been the issue. That was the trigger. That might have been the trigger issue. But you see the young people on the streets there and they're, they're fighting. The, the police brutality there is 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 disgusting. And that's what they're, that's what those people are fighting because... Their poverty, they're in a, situ, a similar economic situation to we are with the neoliberals in Paris, in, in France, because they know the their middle class, their upper middle class haven't suffered at all after COVID. They are truly in a, in a, 
unemployment situation. It's like the, the economy is tanking. And that's what it's about, you know. And while while it's like on one hand, I thought, why are you burning your own? Why are you burning this beautiful city down? You know, that's kind of kind of one point you can look at it. But it's like, well, this is people. This is what this is how people react when there's nothing to lose. Yeah. When people reach that point where there's like, well, fucking no point of return now. That's when you get stuff like that happening. And um. The the BBC are very careful to report stuff like that. Have you noticed? Because it's 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 escalate. It can escalate, and it can be yeah, it can. And then old Charlie's uh, Charlie's trip was oh, cancelled, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because he was supposed to visit Versailles, wasn't he? Which is a bit of yeah, bit of a, a, a bit of a story throw. around protest with that one. Yeah, yeah. About to get the guillotines out, the national yeah. razor, as it was called in the. The Razor National. Well, you see, I I do not condone. I mean, I do condone violence to a point, to be honest. But I don't condone that madness of crowd. You know, when when something gets to a certain point where you're fighting the police, and the police are beating people up, and it's like, well, interestingly, some of the police in Paris were actually on the side of the protesters yesterday. That's the good. That's the that's. I mean, because don't. they understand the situation. Too, you know. Well, Macron's some of the firefighters and the police were actually on the sides of the protesters. But it's in these times like this when you get really dangerous political. Um, yeah, and we're heading into summer. It's only going to get worse. This is, this year you know, is going to be going to be pretty bad. You've heard of Le Pen, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Marine Le Pen. Now she yep. is. Uh, I mean. Macron is only in there on a, you know, on, by the skin of his teeth at the moment. He's, I can't see it lasting. Europe has never felt more destabilized mm. to me, and it's a dangerous game because, oh god, yeah, there, there, there's. When you look at when I've been looking, I mean, I'm no expert in global politics or anything like that. I just look at what I I see on the news and I, I read glancingly on, and I think about. Like the, it's like a chess game between Russia and the West, and then China and Taiwan, and I think, gosh, it's like it's it's not like a chess game anymore. It's more like a game of kaplunk, where you, it's just one thing. What one person's going to pull the wrong straw? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like uh, that's how it feels. But I don't, I don't know why where it's going to. I just feel like it's this like powder keg of, yeah. of stuff that's happening to us. We we that's just a fringe. That's just like a little burning edge of that. Because if you look at what's happening with immigration, you look at what's happening. Immigration, with what's happening in the states, what's happening here? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. This next story comes with a, a another trigger warning because it's about suicide. Um, mm. I think I was I wasn't sure whether we should mention these kind of stories but then i'm oh, thinking think we I... should because we re- we need to recognize individuals and we shouldn't shy away from that well i think we need to talk about it because it's because there's been too many of these i mean i know brianna wasn't a suicide but it was a death that affected us all so whenever we see a trans death now we know it's not it's not like um an isolated incident it has connections to pressure and 
political wrangling and all the stuff we talk about. So that's why I think we should talk about it because all these things are connected, aren't they? Like yeah. how trans people are treated. Is so this them. this is uh, Kaylee Scott, a flight attendant with United Airlines, trans person, um, died by suicide. Um, I'll just read kind of the, the story. Transgender United flight attendant who once fronted a powerful campaign video for the airline has tragically taken her life. Kaylee Scott, who shared her story for a 2020 Trans Day of Visibility video made by United, explained in an Instagram post she was planning to take her life. Followers attempted to reach out to Kaylee by requesting for a, a local welfare check, but it was later confirmed that she'd passed away. So I think she was based in uh Colorado in the States mm. and have become you know quite well known for sharing a story of, of working on you know United and being on their social media feeds. Mm. Um and I've I've watched the video that she did. It was really kind of a positive mm. you know corporate thing trans inclusion. And you know because we're coming up to Trans Day of Visibility next week. So it's kind of poignant the story because as an yeah. individual who's working for a big company, you know, quite heavily involved in being, you know, in promoting and being a visible trans person has now, you know, taken a life because of the pressure yeah. she was under. I mean, when you, when you put your for, put yourself forward to do something like that, it's like, you, it's, a, it's I think it's a really positive thing to show younger people perhaps that you, you could live a life. and But you also put yourself in the line of fire because like, I, last year they asked me to do trans day visibility with work and I did that thing and it got me loads of hate on Twitter just just for being visible in uniform yeah and I, it's like this year they've asked me because because they know what happened to me they knew what happened and they said we're not going to do it this year and I'm sad about that I I said ask somebody else to do it you know just ask there must be another trans person I can ask around for you if you want but I'm thinking God I feel a bit bad about putting somebody forward for it because maybe they can't take that backlash the way mm. I can. So I yeah. so if I did ask if I did approach somebody and say, would you want to be part of Trans Day Visibility? I have to caveat that by saying, look, you know, if you do do it and it because it's going to go on Twitter, there's going to be a lot of backlash. So I'm just warning you. I shouldn't yeah. have to do that. I, I think most to... most trans people I know are fully aware of it because they've all experienced it at some point. Because the only reason I do it is because when I was younger, I didn't see anybody doing anything. You you were I mean you saw trans people, but you're either like a celebrity kind of trans person or a victim kind of trans person or a you know some kind of exotic being. So I never saw anybody just doing a normal job or doing something that I thought I could do. So that's why I think it's important that young people see it. But then, then I'm not saying this is why Kaylee Scott did this, but I'm thinking the the amount of extra visibility it gives you puts you in the line of abuse, and that can't be a good thing. So there's like a balance yeah. there with with include you know putting yourself out there and being a voice, and then accepting because you do have to accept. Like I, I spoke to India Willoughby about this because I remember saying to her, I don't know how you do it because the amount of shit, the amount, the amount of hate you get. And she goes, you know what? I don't, I don't see it anymore. I don't see it. I just, 
it's like the only people I care about is people closest to me. And I think that's that's all you can do, really, isn't it? And I, I hope that people who do are visible and are out there do have good friends and family because that's, that's all it's going to rest on at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's another another tragic story. So you prayers know. for yeah. Hayley Scott and, you know, hope she's flying a United flight up to the heavens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another Church of England. Another Church of England story. story. Yes. Did you hear about this uh, Prince Charles, King Charles, sorry? You can go and visit Westminster where he's going to be coronated. Is that the right word, coronized, coronated? And, uh, but you can't, you've got to take your shoes off, but you can walk on the sacred ground, apparently. So can we go there? You can co- What sacred ground? There. Some sacred ground, especially for coronations in Westminster Abbey, I, I think. And it's like this, where every king and queen has ever been, um, what do you call it, coronated. You don't sound. You don't look particularly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know my opinion of royal families and stuff oh. like that. I like the royal history. I love like watching. Science I mean, it's some bizarre and... history, yeah. But so this is this is a this is a bit of a weird one. Church of England can't be fixed by MPs. <laughs> they should be de-established. They should de-establish it instead. And I can I kind of agree with de-establishing. The Church of England, because why? Why do we have a, a religious organisation which is kind of embedded into politics? You know, as the official religion, I, I don't believe we should have that. We should have we should have complete separation of politics, yeah. state and church. You know, me too. But I mean, it's like in in the House of Lords, you've got bishops, haven't you? And, yeah, well, uh, it's all appointed by the by these guys. You know, gives them power. It gives the church power in the House of Lords. Mm-hmm. But so, then again, they, they, they don't the Church of England come under fire sometimes? Because, like, I mean, I don't know if it's just the Church of England, but sometimes you'll read a story about, you know, LGBT rights and the church saying, oh, we need to support gay marriage and things like that. And traditionally, like, I think the Church of England, they do have some quiet... You can be a female priest now, can't you? And you can't, can't you be... I don't know what the rules are. You can, are, but, but they still won't marry you. They still won't marry same-sex people. I don't know, but... Because sometimes the way that the Pope, I know it's different with the Pope because that's the Catholic Church, but you sometimes feel like they're saying, right, you don't have to believe in God anymore. As long as you do as you're told and do what we want, don't, don't worry about the God bit. <laughs> well, I don't worry about it anyway. But, um, okay, let me just read read a bit of this out. So what instead Jesus of Jesus do? That's Jesus. Instead of trying to make the Church of England embrace same-sex marriage, Parliament should prepare, should separate church and state by... Beginning disestablishment, argues Stephen Evans, CEO of the National Secular Society. And I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, a CEO of a secular society. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. they're in support of separation of, you know, church and state. Um, last week, a group of respected parliamentarians led by Ben Bradshaw MP brought forward a bill to allow same-sex marriages in the Church of England. Unlike other religious organisations, the Church of England is explicitly banned from holding same-sex marriages by Parliament. The arrangement was part of a quadruple lock to prevent the Church from potential legal challenges when same-sex marriage was legalised. So that was a kind of a, a backdoor method of, 
you know, preventing the church from being sued for not allowing something that the law allows. You know, right. so the, it's kind of like a built-in uh, protection for, you know, a loophole for the church. This was felt necessary because, again, like other religious organizations, the church is legally obligated to marry all those who reside within a parish. There was clearly a tension between this duty and the opposition to same-sex marriage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for this separation thing. I think it's ridiculous the amount of power and, you know, how much the church is ingrained in our society with, you know, and then with the the royal family, the king or queen, the monarch being the head of the church, appointing lords into the House of Lords all through the power of the church. It just, you need to stop all that nonsense. It's just well, it's kind of become like we think we think we've become less and less religious i think generally the public have you know like less and less people go to church you know less and less people we're supposed to be a multicultural society and and but, embrace people who have no religion but when it comes to marriage baptism funerals and stuff that's when you know people kind of go to church and they kind of have that connection to it but i just don't i don't I mean, it's for me. This it's totally political, isn't it? It's not. It's nothing to do with like a belief in anything spiritual or holy. It's about the, controlling the the firm, you know, like the Church of England as a as a. Okay, so if the yeah, but the thing is, the church is still refusing to allow same-sex marriages, and this is a this is a way to try and make them do it by de-establishing them. Yeah. Um, you know, and then then the law. That protects them from not being sued goes away, so then they would be forced to do it. Yeah, but would you want to be? Would you want to be part of a Church of England where you feel like the only reason they're marrying you is because you're forced to do it? No, the, the, I mean, I think the whole thing was to try and push them towards doing it uh, voluntarily. Yeah. You know, rather than trying to de-establish them or. But you're always going to get make them do that, it. I'm sure, like this is why you get like different branches of churches and different breakaway groups. Yeah, because, yeah. Because they'll say, oh, look, we can be, we can be part of the church. And then oh, we just go, so we'll make our own church. Change yeah. make our own. And role. it's like, because people still, whatever people need to feel a part of, they're going to be gay, straight, trans, whatever. They just. Okay. But, you know, don't come preaching at me, Church of England people, yeah. based on your, your beliefs and expect me to, you know, bowed out to you because you're part of the establishment. I'm just, I, I refuse to accept you. Don't believe in you. Don't do it. You will be rejected. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I can understand why people want to be married religiously. And no, but if I wanted to, if I wanted to get married, same-sex marriage, I can't do that. I, can, I couldn't do that in a church. I don't know if they have any rules around trans people getting married. Well, you'd have to marry. I mean, does it depend um, on having a GRC in, would, in a church situation? I don't know. Well, you could marry. Do they recognise GRC you, in the church? You couldn't. You could marry a woman, and then, but you'd have to recognise yourself as male. Yeah, well, I can't do that because I'm female on my birth certificate. Exactly. So. It's, it's just totally bizarre, isn't it? So stupid. Mm. But that's why I'm. That's why I am a pagan. This is why people don't go to church. <laughs> Okay. I mean, What's my, our next story? Well, go on, mate. I, I don't know about that. I just think it's Church of England. I just don't. I just wish. Just wish it all piss off. Yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Piss off. Um, 
Next story. Okay, we're back on our travels again. We're over in Canada now. We're flying to Canada now. Flying to Canada from the Church of England, wherever that was. Um, Put some uh, jet plane sound effects on. (laughs) Canada's first LGBTQ trade mission to the UK highlights opportunities for LGBTQ-owned businesses. So this is this is probably a bit a bit of a corporatey flavoured story. I'm yawning already at this. You're yawning, yes. Like we had a we had a very corporate one at the time, didn't we? You like these, don't you? Because you're from Canada. Well, yeah. I'm trying to promote, you know, how good Canada is because they are the number one safe place to travel for LGBT people. So you know, we should give them a bit of a yeah, bit of a boost. Shouldn't we? So in the first of its kind, um, LGBT trade mission from Canada has visited the UK to talk about the opportunities available for. And challenges faced by LGBTQ-owned businesses. The event hosted by Canada's LGBT Chamber of Commerce and its UK counterpart Out Britain featured speakers from both UK and Canada uh, and Canadian governments, along with corporate partners from Apple, Amazon, Fidelity International, Dow Chemicals, etc. Historic moment for Canada's LGBT businesses that we are proud to be promoting and supporting their growth internationally. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's Canada does these kind of things. I, I can't imagine the UK government doing this around the world. Can you? Can you imagine the yeah, UK yeah. sending a, <laughs> you know, doing an event like this, going to other countries to promote LGBT businesses in the UK? I just, I just can't see them doing it. No, because there'd be no like funding for it. There'd be no. <laughs> so Canada, Canada boasts over a hundred thousand LGBTQ-owned businesses that generate over twenty-two billion in annual revenue, and employ nearly half a million Canadians. So there you go. That's good. Yeah, good old Canada. So, you know, I mean, this uh, this sounds like a positive story, but I don't really fully understand like what because like are, are these like when they say queer-owned business, small businesses and stuff, are these like businesses that cater to the lgbt community are they just i think it's both do... i think it's are owned by really to do with being lesbian gay bisexual trans or queer are they really it's like well i mean i think some of them are owned and operated by lgbt people mm. and they do a lot of work in the community for those groups so i mean the, there's some stats here let's just read out some of these so one in five lgbtq owned businesses continues to face challenges abroad due to their being part of the community. So, that I mean, that's an owned business. One in three LGBTQ-owned businesses have purposefully hidden their LGBTQ status. Um, yeah. One in three has faced discrimination because of being LGBTQ. One in four have lost contacts due to LGBTQ ownership. One in five found it difficult to access mentorship and coaching so, you know, there, there are some pretty negative stacks there around, you know, what goes on. Well, they can make things, they can make the world better for yeah. trans people. That's all good with me. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it just it just shows that there are lots of businesses also, also it shows owned about, and they produce 22 billion. It's a good way to demonstrate how far behind the UK is. Yeah, I'd like to see the UK figures compared to those. Like, cause, like, I mean, I don't know. If we that, even keep I don't, them. I don't know if you can talk about your organisation and stuff like that, but like, I suppose it's different with mine because my, my, like, where I work was very sort of community driven anyway. But 
like, I mean, if you work for a big corporate organisation, it, 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 I would imagine it'd be quite difficult to to organise this kind of thing if you if you don't if you've not got a boss or you see or you what you call your you know your directors and stuff like that are not LGBTQ aware or not even bothered. I imagine it's quite difficult. Well, I mean, I I have to face that problem at work. You know, there's there's nobody in high management who are openly LGBTQ. You know, so when I have conversations with them when I'm talking about DNI stuff, I, I'm find I find that most of the time I'm trying to educate them into what it all means. Mm. Yeah, you know, shouldn't have to do that. Or you shouldn't have to. No. Get some diversity training. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> Compulsory. So this this company um, out Britain need to look look into that and see what they do because they they sound like a very positive organization similar to the chamber of commerce for canada uh, yeah so yeah have a look at that um next one this is to do with you know the travel thing we were going to do and oh, we've, yeah. we've been on a bit of a trip around the world today anyway yeah so this next one is International. Um, there's a trans lady called erin reed um she has created a map of the u.s showing where trans people can live safely yeah, and the red of the state. The red the of the state, the worse it is. Yeah. So a new map has been created by transgender activists outlining the anti-trans legislative risks across the US. Uh, the map is by activist Erin Reed, an independent reporter and content creator, and provides a breakdown of anti-trans legislation, legislation across all 50 states. Um with more and more trans people worried about their own safety due to the rise in anti-trans legislation plaguing the US, the new map enables users to quickly figure out whether their home state is a safe safe option. It tends so, to be the, the bottom... So I've, I'm going to just move the map into the window. East of yeah. the country that is the but worst. There's the map. So, so what is, what's Florida, in red? Florida what's in red the there is like, don't go. What's in pale blue and blue... Are the, are the safer states yeah, darker the blue the safer it is so it looks like what it looks like to me is like west coast is safe um the only kind of where, when it starts going bad is texas all the way over to florida which we know is really bad so all those southern states the traditional southern states where all the uh, rednecks live they're all dark red yeah. um and then the northern ones are kind of less dark kind of a almost a pinky red or blue so the safe areas are the north northeast which is where you find the big cities like new york and boston i'm really disappointed with i'm disappointed in florida florida because like when i was younger i mean i don't know if it's perhaps still did till recently but i I think of florida and i think of like cape canaveral and donald duck it's like i just think of disney and rockets well you what you need you're forgetting ronda de santos ronda sanchez yeah ronda Ronda de santos You're putting the D in the wrong place there. It's Ronda. Well, I'm calling I'm calling Ron. I'm calling Ron a Ronda. Ronda Santos. So it's Ronda de Santos instead of Ronda Santos. You're putting an extra D in. Though. And I'm doing that deliberately because he hates trans people. So I'm just Ronda Santos. So yeah, so so it's like the South, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of expected. It is. It is. But it's I mean, got worse. It has got it's getting worse. Getting worse, though. I, I mean, we were bad. talking about this the other day, weren't we? Like the number of anti-trans laws that have been going through. Yeah. 
telling you, but it's like so over three hundred already. There's a year. recent law where they're trying to stop drag people wearing, like they were trying to stop drag performers in public. Yeah. So if anybody perceives you to be uh, wearing uh, female attire and you're actually male, you could actually <laughs> that that could be a criminal offence. Yeah. You know, it's like ridiculous. I mean, it, but it's gonna it's gonna, it's really going to destroy Florida's. Um, tourism industry. That's a huge, you know, a huge number of people go there for tourism. If it starts becoming a place where LGBT people, people can't go because of the way they're treated, mm. you know, and I know a lot of a lot of LGBT people do go there because of the freedoms you, especially in South Florida, you know, there's loads of kind of gay clubs and gay scene down there. You know, people well, people are just going to not go anymore, and mm. it's going to it's going to affect their economy. Yeah, of course it is. But the, see, what 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 you'll always see is, um, you know, I don't know if you saw it, but you know, Bill Maher, yeah, it, and, and he kind of publicised it. It was like this map, and it was showing you where there's more trans and non-binary people, and they said, look at this. It's because they're all liberal. Like there's more, there's more gay and there's more trans people in California. It's like no, it's because they're all running away from Texas. They're all running away. They're from running away. Florida. All those red states is where they're running away from. And nobody, nobody's going to fill in a form where you're asked, you're asked to do a survey in in one of those states in case somebody comes after you. you but it's not I mean? just people who are believing. Now, big business will be leaving yeah. those states too because they they don't want to be associated with those kind of places. They will they will re, you know, relocate their HQs and factories into the states that are more supportive of everybody. Yeah. You know. It's like it's, it's like it's like America's becoming, it's becoming two separate countries, isn't it? I mean, you've got like the the blues and the reds. I mean, it's really getting very kind of obvious. Some states are safe, some aren't. You've got to look at this like as a whole, though, because like on this map, it looks pretty horrible, doesn't it? Like as if you like if you lived in Florida, you you'd just forget about being trans. But obviously, there's going to be communities in those states are. that are positive and. It's like if, if somebody drew a map of England and decided, right, where is it most safe to be trans? Probably Farmworth wouldn't be one of them, but it's where I live. And I know some lovely yeah, people. But, I mean, Florida. if you look at Florida, if you look at Broward County in Florida, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, there's a place there, Wilton Manors, which is it has the highest population of LGBT residents in the whole of the US. Wow. So, you know, and, and they're really, you know, the people living there are going to be pretty worried about what's going on with yeah. uh, Rhonda. I'd move. Move out. Yeah, you see, if they all moved out, they'd be taking but, I mean, billions of you, dollars worth of wealth that, with them. That's assuming they have the, that everybody there has the mobility to move. Like it's um, like, a, like, like, I know it's well, a yeah, different, obviously. I know it's a different thing, but I, rem I remember, like, I live where I live now. It's just 15 minutes away from Manchester, right, on, on, in a car. But the wealth difference, like, as, as soon as I hit Manchester, I'm driving around properties that are like £2,000 a month to rent, right? And even, and even just down the road in Salford, you could probably walk it in about five minutes. There are flats there, council flats, run-down areas. And that poverty line is very, very stark now. So I'm thinking about places like this. They'll be they'll be really, you know, culturally enriched uh, urban areas where everybody's like a hipster and dead cool, and you know, there's lots of money flying around, and everybody, you know, everybody's partying. But just down the road, you probably just you wouldn't walk it. You wouldn't walk home to Salford. 
Do you know what I mean? Because you're going to get beaten up. Mm. And that's one of the realities of living in any... So this map, even though it's probably indicative of something, I think it's a, it's a massive oversimplification. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, within, yeah, within South Florida, there's loads of Cause positive like stuff. Because I know people, like... But, you know, like, when, they, when they're changing laws at the state level that affect you in your daily life, like yeah, you can't do this, are, you can't do that, that's the problem. Exactly, then you start yeah. thinking, right, well, I'm getting out of this hellhole, you know. Yeah, but you just gotta hope there's enough people still there to fight the fight because like when when you see people like banning drag queens from doing shows and calling them groomers and all these people that are like they they they're absolutely insane, some of them. The 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 kind of things that they say. Yeah. Um you know, it's it's like a s I'm s I'm I mean, we don't know the statistics about crimes exact exact crimes on lgbt people but i'm 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 not don't think i'm wrong in suggesting that they're going up if this map's anything to go by so it's like what kind of world world do you want to live in because because like in in a way like the people that vote for people like DeSantis are people that are frightened they're frightened that the world is changing in a way they don't want it to change but it, 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 the whole thing is like constantly. But none of it's based. Into... None of all these new laws. They're not based on reality. They're not based on fact. No, they're based on. Fear. It's all based on, you know, the Republican fear machine. Exactly. Like they'll go on about TikTok as if TikTok's the reason why the kids are. Uh, yeah, but I can, you know, I can see, I can see Ronda being the replacement for uh, Trump. Mm. It looks like that. It's going that way. I mean, God help him. <laughs> There's going to be massive uprising against that. They will. Because it makes, I mean, if you think about it, like the amount of protests against Trump, it's going to pale into significance, into insignificance. Because even, even like what I've read about DeSantis and what I've seen happening in America over the last few months, it makes Trump look a bit like a bit of a lovable rogue. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know he's a complete arse, and I know he he's put he's he's done a lot of the the groundwork, uh, damage in Congress. But you know, beware of people that seem moderate. Beware of people that seem, you know, because because at least with Trump, you knew he was. You know what you uh, get with Trump, don't you? He was like a sort of loose cannon. You know, he was like it was a sort of comedy element to Trump, but not this guy. This guy's the real deal, and I don't. I don't see think... this. This guy in Florida, he kind of preys on South American people's religion too, because he always brings religion into it, and mm. you know, religious right. Christian values. Yeah, and that's values. that's how he gets that. That's how he gets the South American vote because there's a huge population of South Americans living in the Miami area, South Florida, and they typically vote Republican because of religious reasons. You know, so it's he kind of uses that to his advantage. Yeah, and also it doesn't mean he helps the, him at the, all. You'll see a lot of organisations called like the Family Party and Safe yeah. Schools and this kind of thing, and they they've, they've copied that tactic straight out of the American. Yeah, but most of those kind of organisations come out of places like Texas. Yeah, exactly. And the kind of like the mid, the Midwest. But you know that that's very much. You know, it's completely different to what goes on in South Florida because mm. that's very it's a, it's a very South American vibe. 
but it's strongly religious. It's Catholic religious. So there's you know there's lots of anti LGBT around religious reasons. I think it's you know, and then they see somebody like DeSantis and they say, oh yeah, we'll vote for him because he agrees with us on this issue. What's really but he's, but you know he's he's just going he's just going insane with laws at the moment. What's really frightening to me is how easy it is to, to manipulate the people to, to manipulate people because yeah. people go along with things. And it's like we we saw it with Brexit. That was yeah. the most kind of nationalistic I've ever seen people be in this country. And I'm thinking, yeah, you've always had those fringe people that were flag wavers, and they were kind of you know they turn up for St George's Day or something. But they were always a kind of fringe movement. But then they became this kind of you know everybody's sort of yeah. And I, have you noticed it's. I was reading something the other day around about Keir Starmer and how he's now viewed as being more right than Theresa May. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, how the hell did that happen? He said something this week. He he evoked Thatcher. He said one of the central themes of government was honesty and that was one of Thatcher's policies or something. It's like, you know, the Conservatives going far right and... Keir Starmer's labour is, is is going right as well. Yeah, so, it's like so, so they're not re- they're not sent they're not even sent. They're all going right. Like even the even the left wing parties in the UK are going right wing now. That's why we need somebody like Mick Lynch. Yes, Mick Lynch, get him in. We need because because like I said before, for somebody like for somebody like Mick Lynch, right? When it when it comes to trans issues and anything like that, he'd be the guy that says, "Look, mate, I don't got a fucking clue what you're talking about. Have we done a risk assessment?" And that'd be it. <laughs> that's that be his approach, and that's what I like about him. It's like he say, "I'll say I'll get Billy Bragg to have a word." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It'd be like that. Be like, but um, but this government, they're all, they're, they're embedded in like identity politics now, so everything is um, oh god, everything's everything's ramped up to eleven. So so when whenever they try and have a debate about gender identity or anything like that it just becomes a nonsense like on question time where you end up with people you know saying stupid things like can women have penises it's like Christ you know everything's comedy now when you get to that level so you you remember the uh, the lesbian project oh yeah the lesbian project. How many lesbians have they caught? <laughs> I don't know, but there's been an interesting development. Um, hundreds of LGBTQ plus women tell trans exclusionary lesbian project, you yeah. do not represent us. So there's been yeah. a there's been an open letter that's been put out by um, lesbian and queer solidarity. Yeah, that's been signed by over eight hundred people. Um, denouncing the trans exclusionary group as not not reflective of trans lives, needs, and community of lesbians. So the open letter was penned by the group Trans Lesbian Solidarity and has received hundreds of signatories in 48 hours, um, as well as support from singer Billy Bragg, um, Oxford University Student Union, and campaign group uh, Speak Out Sister. So have you signed up? Have you signed it? I have. Yeah, I have now, yeah. So, I mean, this is, 
I don't know what's going on with the lesbian project, but Kathleen Stock and Julie Bindle. Well, it's it seems to have fizzled a bit, hasn't it? It was obviously. I mean, it's never going. It's never going to go anywhere, but it's kind of no. Because what's the fizzling already? Test? What's the test of their lesbian like? No, but you know, you've got mainstream inclusive lesbians signing already days after it was launched. You know, to con- condemn it, so it's you know, it's going nowhere. It's because they recognise that it's only there as a lobby group to to create division. It's like a, it's just another kind of LGB alliance kind of project where, you know, they they, they the, the pretense is that they they want their own, they they feel they have the right to their own group that just represents lesbians, which is fine on the surface. You can see why that might be a thing. But when you peel back just a couple of layers of it, you understand that, mm, well, the reason, well, we know Kathleen Stock and Julie Bindle are for a start. They're not coming at it from, a, a, you know, a, a good faith, are they? They're not no. clear that, you know. So, yeah, this this group, um, Trans Lesbian Solidarity, um, what they've posted on Twitter is, as lesbians, the lesbian project is hashtag not for us. We are tired of trans exclusionary groups thinking they can speak for us. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that advocating for lesbian needs can be done when it's rooted in transphobia. And then there's this, you know, please, please sign the open letter. Yeah. Well, see, like when when, when you listen to Julie Bindle or Kathleen Stock speak, they're not they don't advocate for anything. It's all about the things they're against. And it's really easy to be against things because you don't have to do any activism. You just have to moan and say, because what they say a lot is, oh, trans women, the the idea is in their mind is that trans women are taking over or taking something away from them. It's not not happening, you know. Well, they they go on to say, the letter says, um, our community is uh, beautiful precisely because it's made up of gender nonconforming lesbians, trans lesbians, non binary lesbians, butches, studs, femmes lesbians of all kinds who make up a tapestry more vibrant than you can imagine our community is beautiful because it's held together by love not hate so there you go yeah get it signed well that's it that's you know because if if you if you start bring if you start partitioning different bits of the lgb rainbow off that that goes against everything that it's supposed to stand for in the first place Exactly. You know, we have to be united against... To fight the real causes. Yeah, exactly. We can't be like, oh, well, that's that's a lesbian issue. That's a gay issue. This is a trans issue. We only deal with trans issues here. Sorry, our door is closed. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, because... That's not going to work. Because, because when, I'm, when I'm at the LGBT Foundation, that, that those rooms are full of people from all kinds of different yeah, backgrounds. Yeah, from, from from the whole the whole thing. You no, know, you don't. You don't. Oh, oh, that's the lesbian room over there. Yeah, you have. And, to, and, sorry, you have to and, go over there. And, and, You're and, not and allowed you to want, use that. You you yeah. can only use that. And if you want to go in the lesbian room, you've got to bring Kathleen Stock and fill in a questionnaire <laughs> about how to be a lesbian. Oh God! I'm God. like Kathleen. Sit down, love. You know, didn't did, when didn't she used to be married and she got children? I mean, I'm not sure what what kind of she, she's bisexual in any sense. I don't know, but it's like let's just like let's just not right. 
I can understand there's this argument sometimes from straight people and they go, oh, LGBTQI, blah, blah, blah. I can't keep up with all these letters. Oh, it's all too confusing. Oh. Yes, okay, it's a little bit, it can get a bit too minutiae. It can get a bit, but all it is really is like, you know, we, we've got a bunch of people and we all come under the rainbow umbrella and whatever you are, you're welcome. <laughs> and that's it. Exactly, that's, that's it. As, yeah. sentence. As, you, as long as you're not Julie Bindle, you're welcome. <laughs> And our last story today is about um, a trans hairdresser who ditches oh. archaic gender price list to help people be their true selves. Yeah, so gender price list. I thought this was a nice little story to end on. It's a uh, trans yeah, hairdresser has ditched uh, gender price lists to promote equality and inclusion. Mm. Uh, Melissa Hamilton charges her clients based on what they need rather than their gender, going away with the concept of men's and women's price lists. Women's haircuts are traditionally far more expensive than men's, as well as making things far more equitable. Melissa says that gender-neutral price list makes the salon more approachable to gender non-conforming clients. So, you know, she's done this, obviously, to be more well, inclusive kind of... and make it kind of, doesn't matter if you've got long or short hair, if you need a haircut, yeah. come in here and I'll sort you out. And it's going to cost you the same no matter who you are. Yeah, I can I imagine in the olden in the olden days, like when everybody when every man got a short back and sides and every woman got a perm, you'd you'd have to have different prices because obviously one takes longer than the no, other. No, but if you if you're both having the same <laughs> if you a man and a woman both having exactly the same thing, the woman yeah. would be charged double, you know. Exactly, but I'm saying like in in like in a, if the in man the... wanted to have the perm, well yeah, okay, we'll pay the pay the perm price. But but it's like th that's the thing that is. It's better to have. But it's but what what they kind of equate this to to make it make more sense is that when you go to a dentist, you're not charged a different price because you're a man or a woman, or non-binary. You know. Yeah, but I was just going to say there's no de gender delineation with a dentist. Well, you do get barbers and you do get hairdressers. Yeah, but most so kind of lots weird... of people have crazy hairstyles, don't they? So yeah, so I'm thinking how, why how is do you, that? how I do mean... you determine. What to charge based on gender because someone has well, a different that, hairstyle. It doesn't really that's make That's why a lot of men always come out with the same bloody haircut because they just think, oh, right, it's I've the got, cheapest. I've got... Yeah, yeah. It's like... Although it is, it is a. When you see a guy with lovely long hair and he looks like a Viking, I'm like, oh my God. And you go, yeah, he's not going to get... your local barbershop. How'd you get your hair like that? And you go, I never cut it. I never touch it. I don't wash it. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a guy I know. I was out last uh, couple of Saturdays ago. What was it last Saturday? Yeah. And uh, he had lit, like went to this like heavy metal kind of revival night. <laughs> it was like a, a tribute band thing with, uh, and they were playing like classic rock. And there was this guy, and it was like, do you know that thing that we were talking about doing? You know, like white people go up to black people and start touching their hair. I saw this guy, and he had like beautiful long hair, and I was like, oh my god, can I touch it? <laughs> I was like, no, what am I doing? You know, but I think I just wanted to touch him. Yeah, it sounds like close <laughs> to the truth. But anyway, I said, oh, God, how'd you get your hair? So uh, and I thought, what am I doing? What am I saying here? So anyway, shout out to Melissa. The salon's called Melissa Hair. It's in East Wittering in Chichester. So a bit of a drive for us, Freda, but well, we'll support happy anyway. to promote it. Yeah. So, you know, where'd you get your hair cut? <laughs> where do I get my hair cut? I, got a I go to a place in Lytham. Mm. It's called um, Hair and Beauty. 
You see, because the, the only thing I ever get done, because I'm growing it out and I wear a lot of hair pieces and stuff, um, is I just get my fringe cut and a bit of a trim. So there's this really lovely lady in Bolton Market and um, it's only a fiver. And I'm like, I have a little chat with her and the other ladies. I don't need anything nice. I don't need anything fancy. You know? Okay, so yeah, I go to this place called House of Hair and Beauty in Lytham. And House of Hair and Beauty. House of Hair and Beauty. So they do, House of Hairy Beauty. They do nails. You they do hair. <laughs> they do all kinds of facial treatments. Um, it's run by a couple of sisters, Natalie and Bethany, and it's really good. So go. get yourselves over there. Give them a little plug. Well, well, what's the place you go to called? It's called Cuts. Cuts. Cuts in Bolton. <laughs> well, it's a lovely lady who does uh, Donna. She you know, she it's usually old ladies that go. I think I went because my mum recommended my mum said, Oh, I know this nice little because I said all I want is my fringe cutting. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go and book a, a salon and then just have my fringe cut. So no, why didn't you come and see uh, you know, my hairdresser? And I said, All right, go on then. And I was I was I was fully in expecting it to be terrible. Expecting a blue rinse. Yeah, well, that kind of place, but it is that kind of place. But it, she's dead nice, you know. I had a little chat with her, and she told me she had a, um, I think it was a, a niece or nephew who's, who's who's talking about being non-binary, and I thought, oh god, this is a bit of a weird conversation to be having, because obviously she did. I, I spoke to her about being trans, but it was nice, you know. It's like a really nice conversation, and she was she was a bit old school about it. it was oh, everybody's weird and non-binary now, aren't they? <laughs> oh no no not really no not everybody it's funny the conversations you have with people when if, if i if i talk about being trans i sometimes just talk about it and people ask me and it's fine you know and uh and have some interesting conversations but um what we're talking about her cuts yeah so i, I just buy my hair and plug it in so it's easy <laughs> i tie my hair in a knot and then plank things on top plug, of it plug it in so you can have different sockets different styles yeah yeah hair. it's like diff- it's just a clip and then different hair sometimes it's curly if i want it longer i can just put a longer one in to my yes. natural hair is about your length what this mm, yeah. Right. yeah and I, I did think about getting hair extensions you know proper ones but they're really expensive they are expensive yeah and it's like, oh, God, you know, and then you have to keep going back to have it redone. So it's a bit of a commitment that, so no, I prefer this. Oh, you can spend a fortune. So you really can. Hair and beauty tips. Yeah, um, there you go. Go to go to Bolton Market. <laughs> go to Bolton Market or you can go up market in Lytham. No, not a posh issue, Victoria. No, but you, whilst you're there, you can go and get yourself a nice coffee and a lunch and... Do a bit shopping. Well, you, can get a, you can get a couple. You could you probably do that in Bolton. I tell you, Bolton Market is the only place you can buy some cheap perfume, get your nails done, get your hair done, buy a crab, and any exotica from the sea at Bolton Fish Market. Oh yeah, you did that, don't you? You but didn't you buy some oysters recently? Oysters, oyster cheap. Did you get oysters, your oyster knife? How did you, how did you can, open them in the end? Oh, I just I bashed it against the. the you get a hammer and chisel out. Top. I wasn't too impressed with the oysters, actually. I've, yeah, well, I've... you're not supposed to cook them. No, I got a recipe where you boil them. <laughs> Just read them raw. Anyway, so so yeah, I've said, oh, market, yes, it's it's where it's happening. <laughs>
I've had to sort of get used to that though, because like I was used to being in Manchester where everything's a bit swish and you know, yeah. a bit, a bit, a bit uh, metrosexual now. And then because I moved back to Bolton, I can't always get into Manchester to get my hair done or do my nails or. So get, the, the the new thing seems to be everybody Botox. everybody seems to be calling coffee shops hipster hipster coffee shops now. I don't know what I don't know where this hipster things come from, but it's mm-hmm. like oh, you go to those hipster coffee shops. Yeah. No, I just go for a coffee. I don't go to a hipster coffee shop. I just go to a nice coffee shop. Like if you go to Costa or Starbucks, that's not a hipster coffee shop. Oh, those are corporate. A hipster coffee shop is... It's an independent coffee shop that has nice artwork on the walls and stuff. Yeah, it's also an art gallery and served by a bearded man with a a suede apron. Yeah. And he he plays background jazz. Yeah. That's a a hipster coffee shop. Hipster coffee shop, yeah. Well, there might be a poet on the weekend. Or but they, used, they just used to be called independent term. coffee shops. Now, for some reason, they're being called hipster coffee shops. I don't know. Well, I want... Like a, it's like it's becoming a derogatory term. <laughs> We've gone off on a bit of a tangent. No, but it's becoming a derogatory term. How dare you? No. How dare you speak badly about my coffee shops? I mean, it's Not like you, the difference but, between you know. a pub. You know, people say, let's go to the pub. And it's like, let's go to the bar. Or, or like in Manchester, like they have these... People, you know, they they like real ale aficionados, and they're quite young, and they all wear flat caps, <laughs> and they and and what they say is, I want an authentic drinking experience. Yeah, and okay, they're, they're hipsters, definitely. Yeah, have a pint of mild and shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I went. There's I've got, it's got the castle, I think it's called in Manchester, and I went in, and I I, I do like a beer, you know, I like it. Pretentious, like, is it? And it's not pretentious. It's just the choice is immense now. So I say, well, can I just have a dark beer, like a Guinness? And it's all oh, we've got like six. On no, the list of, here's a list of 100. Yeah, can you choose the menu. Yeah. I was like, well, what is the strongest? <laughs> and I had this. Yeah, it's like that, that thing about having a drink a drinks menu. Is, yeah, that you, you remember like 20 years ago, you went in the pub, you asked for a drinks menu. They think you've gone insane. Yeah. yeah. Can I see the wine list? It's, <laughs> like, it's like mild, bitter or lager that's it what do you want well i mean that there, there are so many that's what i like about manchester now though there's like there's those kind of pubs that are like proper pubs bit spit and sawdust have still got that kind of sweaty kind of atmosphere and a bit of sticky carpet and then you've got like really trendy bars with chrome surfaces and it's like, it can, there's a bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, so on that, I think, I mean, if you, we're, we're sort of, we're, we should be working for the tourist board. Should we, we should. I mean, we've done a, we've done a tour of the world we're today. Gonna, and I think we're going to do a lot of next week. And we're definitely going to do a live podcast about tourism and where to go. Tourism and, and travel and safety. If, and, you're, if yeah. you're a trans girl traveling alone, don't miss it. Because I'm going to do that, actually. I'm, I've been thinking about doing a bit of traveling. I've got to have time off work for my boob job, so I might scuff yeah, I was going to say, i got to get your boobs first. Yeah. Anyway, on that note. <laughs> on that hmm. bombshell. <laughs> it's time to say bye for now. Don't bye. forget to subscribe. Don't Are forget to share. Song? Are we doing the song? Yes, go on. We're ready. One, two, three. Don't, Don't forget, forget to, to subscribe. subscribe. Nearly. Yeah. I think there's a delay. on. The... I think you're out of tune. Bye for now. Bye for now. Oh, when's our next one? We don't know. Is it Tuesday? Or is it Thursday?
<laughs> and we've got we've got a, an interview on coming up as well. So I'm I'm still ed- editing that. So anyway, yeah. Bye.